This is The Guardian. I'm Noor Haidar, coming to you from Gadigal Land, and I'm your new co-host of Full Story. I'm looking forward to bringing you some of the best reporting and investigations from Guardian Australia journalists. So let's get started. The undetected arrival of a boat on Australia's west coast carrying more than two dozen asylum seekers has propelled a political row over border protection, with the coalition claiming the government's watered down Operation Sovereign Borders. Labor has rejected the attacks, accusing opposition leader Peter Dutton of spreading lies. So has Labor changed Australia's approach to border security? Or is Peter Dutton engineering an immigration crisis? And what happens to the group of men deported to Nauru? Today, political posturing over a bipartisan policy. It's Thursday, the 22nd of February. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Paul, what do we know about the group of asylum seekers who managed to get to the Australian mainland by boat on Friday? So last Friday, uh, 39 asylum seekers were found in a remote part of Western Australia on the northern Kimberley coast. Paul Carp is Guardian Australia's chief political correspondent. They're a group of men believed to be from Bangladesh, India and Pakistan. Uh, They were found in two groups, one group in Beagle Bay, one group in Pender Bay, uh, found by a local Indigenous tour operator. And they were questioned by Australian border force and authorities believe that they both arrived by the same boat. Now, on Friday, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, was asked at a press conference. I've been travelling in the car, uh, so I'm not, uh, I haven't been uh, advised about that, uh, but our policies are very, very clear. Our policies are clear, which is that... uh, Boats that arrive in that fashion, we have policies in place to ensure that they're dealt with. The opposition leader, Peter Dutton, quickly seized on news of this boat's arrival to attack the government. What's he said? Uh, If one boat can get through in this circumstance and the Prime Minister knows nothing about it, um, surely there will be more that follow. He said that there was no question that Labor did not support Operation Sovereign Borders. He said that he knows how people smugglers work and that they will react to a weak Prime Minister and a weak Minister and exploit any vulnerabilities, they see. Well, the the opposition are just full of nonsense. 
On Monday, the Prime Minister told reporters in Perth that Peter Dutton was acting like a cheer squad, uh, encouraging the boat journeys. Peter Dutton needs to stop acting in such an irresponsible, opportunistic way in trying to seize some short-term political advantage in a way that just does not promote Australia's national interest. We've also heard from the commander of Operation Sovereign Borders. Can you tell us what his contribution to this debate has been? So on Friday, uh, as the Australian Border Force was confirming that it was conducting an operation, finding these people, Rear Admiral Brett Sonter, the commander of Operation Sovereign Borders, said that the commitment to the mission of Operation Sovereign Borders is the same as it was under the previous government. And he warned that, quote, any alternative narrative to that uh, would be exploited by criminal people smugglers to deceive people, to convince them to risk their lives and to come by boat. So he was really warning against this fracturing in the bipartisan consensus and and, uh, making political points, claiming that there is a difference in policy when there's not. Now, can you remind us what is Operation Sovereign Borders? So after an increase in boat arrivals during the Rudd-Gillard government, the coalition in opposition promised a policy called Operation Sovereign Borders, the core tenets of which were to turn boats back at sea where safe to do so, to use offshore processing to take any asylum seekers that did reach Australia offshore to places like Nauru, uh, and then lastly, that anyone that arrived after a deadline in the middle of 2013 would be never allowed to settle in Australia. And that basically uh, became bipartisan policy because in 2015, Labor in opposition changed their policy in favour of boat turnbacks. So what we saw then was that the coalition enacted this policy while they were in government from 2013 to 2022. Labor in opposition eventually gave bipartisan support for all of those key elements of Operation Sovereign Borders, which is designed to deter dangerous boat journeys. So there is no material difference between Labor and the coalition when it comes to the implementation of this policy? There is one small difference in their policy, which is that Labor promised and now has moved to abolish temporary protection visas. But because those visas and their replacements are not given to people uh, who arrived after that 2013 deadline, it's only for a legacy caseload of people that were already here before that, it's not a material difference. It's not relevant to the decision of whether or not someone gets on a boat now from Indonesia to Australia, because no one who arrives by boat after that 2013 deadline will be put on a temporary protection visa or will be settled here permanently. Next, fact-checking Peter Dutton's claims. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Paul, the coalition has made a number of claims about the government that I want to fact check. The first is that the government's reduced the money allocated to Operation Sovereign Borders. The government's taken $600 million out of border protection, so there will be a price to pay for that, and unfortunately that's what we're seeing at the moment. Does that check out? No. So the claimed $600 million cut comes from looking at spending in one year, 2022-23, and then assuming the same level of spending over, over the next four years. And what the coalition have done is they've compared the projected spending with that extrapolation of one year. But that's not how you measure a cut. The way you measure a cut is projected spending in Labor's budget as opposed to projected spending in the coalition's budget. And when you look at it that way, it's not a $600 million cut at all. Labor are actually spending $470 million more over four years on border enforcement and border management. And Peter Dutton has also claimed that there's been less surveillance of Australia's coast. You know, obviously a fairly you know, well-sized boat to arrive with over 40 passengers on, for that not to be detected, it tells you that the surveillance flights or uh, the surveillance uh, that was in place under Operation Sovereign Borders is not there at the moment. Is that true? Now, the Home Affairs Department's last annual report does say that there was a reduction, a 14% decrease in flying hours completed. But this is not a policy decision of the Labor government to cut flights. It was due to operational difficulties, like difficulty getting crew and maintaining aircraft. We've also heard from officials at Senate Estimates that when the private contractor, who was contracted during the coalition government, I might add, when they fall short on the number of flights, that there is a mitigation in place where defence then takes up more surveillance. Mm. In terms of what the opposition leader has said, the government has pushed back very strongly. Uh, the Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, has said that Dutton is telling easily disprovable lies and that he's wandering around the country in a somewhat unhinged manner. So Peter Dutton blames Labor for an uptick in the number of boats that have been detected since it came to government. Take us through the numbers. Well, it's certainly true that there has been uh, an increase in boats. I mean, there have been seven that came in the first nine months uh, since Labor's election in uh, May 2022. But of course, these are all subject to the same policies of being turned back or the people aboard them being taken back, you know, transfers at sea or flown back from Christmas Island. Whereas under the coalition government, 
there it was a lower number. It was more like two to three vessels a year from 2016 to 2020. So it is true that there has been an uptick in boats, but we can't say that that is attributable to a change in the government policy because the core planks of Operation Sovereign Borders are all still in place. So if there's no substantial difference in the way Labor and the Coalition approach Operation Sovereign Borders, what do we know then about what might be behind the uptick in boats? It could be that people smugglers are testing a new government. It could be a perception that although they say that they are committed to Operation Sovereign Borders, that that might come under strain if if there are more boat arrivals. Or uh, it, it could be that the rhetoric of the opposition leader itself telling people that the current government is weaker is a, is a form of pull factor in and of itself. And I, I should note that that is what uh, the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese and the Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill have argued. They've said that it's basically encouraging people smuggling ventures and that it's you know an advertisement for people smuggling ventures to say that Labor is weaker on this issue or imply that anything different will happen. And they pointed to the fact that these people have already been taken to Nauru. We had confirmation of that on Sunday that all 39 of these asylum seekers are on Nauru for regional processing. For a brief period, Labor did have some success in clearing the detention centre on Nauru. How long did that last? So in June, my colleagues Ben Doherty and Eden Gillespie reported that the last refugees and asylum seekers had been evacuated off Nauru. And this is obviously um, possible because for many years, so few boat ventures had succeeded in coming to Australia. Now, they did this quietly. The government did not do this with great fanfare. They didn't boast about it. They didn't promise to shut Nauru. Nauru stayed open and we still paid $350 million a year just to keep it open. There was then an arrival uh, of a group of 11 asylum seekers in September which I reported, and it was the first transfer of people to Nauru in nine years. Then a further boat arrived in a remote part of Western Australia, and as we've seen, this group of 39 people were also taken to Nauru after arriving on Friday. Mm. So in the past, some asylum seekers have languished on Nauru for years. What will happen to this latest group now? So we know the 39 people have been taken to Nauru for regional processing, which is the Nauruan government assessing their claims to asylum, to need protection from the countries they're fleeing. But in practice, faced with the prospect of years of indefinite detention on Nauru, it's very common for people to elect to leave, to go back to their country of origin. So, for example, of that group of 11 asylum seekers that arrived in Australia and were taken to Nauru in September, eight of those, including a woman and child, have already elected to return to their country of origin. If people stick it out in Nauru, if they stay there for a period of years and their claims are assessed, then eventually Australia will try to move them to a third country because both sides have vowed they won't be allowed to settle in Australia. So they they look to countries like Canada, the US and New Zealand, which has offered to take some of these people off Nauru as a way to resettle them without bringing them to Australia. 
Right, but while they're on Nauru, do we know how they'll be cared for? Will they get access to Australian medical care? So the Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, has said she's confident in the way that Nauru is managing medical care. The medical care is provided by the Nauruan government. Of course, the Australian government supports and assists through the partnership that we have with the Nauruan government, which we are very grateful for. So the signal is that they are not intending to take people off Nauru for medical care, which was something that did happen briefly uh, due to the Medivac legislation forcing the coalition to do that. Uh, But O'Neill did say... It is not our government's intention to use Nauru as the former government did effectively as a permanent internment camp for people. Um, We are trying to work with the Nauruan government to move people through, as you would expect, under a regional... So the conception of it is a a stepping stone to uh, a resettlement in a third country like New Zealand, not for people to be in indefinite detention there. Offshore processing, Paul, has been described as cruel and costly. Labor came to power saying that it would take a more compassionate and humane approach. How is it balancing that? Well, it wants to preserve the deterrent. Uh, So offshore detention remains open and they will, you know, hammer the rhetorical point that that's where people are going, Nauru. But they uh, have tried to take the hard edges off by saying it's not permanent internment. It, it is intended as a stepping stone to then being resettled into a third country. And another point of difference is that Labor accepted the deal from New Zealand uh, to resettle refugees and asylum seekers who came by boat, where the coalition had refused to do that because they thought it might be a backdoor into Australia. So So preserving the deterrent but trying to take some of the hard edges off it. And, Paul, the government's faced sustained questions over immigration over recent months, hasn't it? Yes. So this boat arrival came at the end of a week of parliament when the coalition had directed every question in question time to the immigration minister, Andrew Giles, attacking the government's handling of the High Court case in November, which ruled that indefinite immigration detention was unlawful. Now, that decision uh, relates to a different cohort of people. It's people on onshore uh, immigration detention. But it really shows the way that the coalition have weaponised this perception of Labor being weak on asylum seekers and refugees because they've argued that it was the government's choice to release 149 people, whereas, as Giles has noted, it was required by the High Court decision. They've seized on the criminal uh, record of the people released. Of course, all of these people had served their prison sentence, but they they used that very, uh, you know, evocative criminal history for social media posts, smashing the Albanese government and suggesting they've made Australians unsafe. So what does Peter Dutton gain from having this political debate? The handling of refugees and asylum seekers has been a very potent political weapon for the coalition over the years. John Howard won an election in 2001 uh, off the back of the arrival of the Tampa and him boasting, you know, we decide who comes to this country and the circumstances in which they come. The Tony Abbott opposition got elected in large part because of the increase in boats under the Rudd-Gillard government. And the coalition in that era was even willing to vote against the Malaysia solution. So to deny 
bipartisan support for a deterrent for people coming by boat in order to exploit the Labor government's weakness on that issue. Now, under under Peter Dutton, you see continual attacks on the government for being weak on border protection, even though in substance, the policy is the same. Operation Sovereign Borders is still in place. You have warnings from the commander of Operation Sovereign Borders that an alternative narrative uh, will encourage boat journeys, but you still see the opposition leader running that alternative narrative. The opposition leader says that there have been cuts to Operation Sovereign Borders, but the head of Australian Border Force says they've never been better funded since uh, they were established in 2015. So I think it's fair to say from all of this that there is a consistent pattern of trying to exploit the perception that the Labor government is uh, weak on border protection for domestic political reasons because the opposition leader is uh, more concerned with uh, winning votes and he sees more votes means more votes and he's indifferent to whether or not that acts as an encouragement of the of the very you know dangerous journeys that we're supposed to be deterring That was Paul Karp, Chief Political Correspondent at Guardian Australia. You can find more of Paul's work on theguardian.com. We've also linked to his latest piece on this issue on the Full Story page. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Joe Koning and Alison Chan. Sound design and mixing by Daniel Simo. The executive producer of Full Story is Hannah Parks. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe or follow Full Story wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave a review. I'm Noor Haidar. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.